Well, welcome back to another episode of the Miles Driven with me, Miles, and a very big happy <laughs> birthday to Sam. Whee! Hello. Yeah, you didn't need to introduce <laughs> yourself there, mate. Got you in, yeah. Yeah, it's Sam's birthday today. Yep. So, well, it's not a, like, here a big we are, birthday day. Here we but, are, yeah. not sat in the room saying happy birthday no, to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so just so everyone knows, in case they were wondering. Yep, or are expecting messages all over the Facebook yeah, page. Yeah, so from, you can... Yeah. Uh, Send them to Facebook. Don't send happy birthday to the Instagram because it just comes to me and then I've got to go, oh, Sam, everybody yeah, said happy actually, birthday. Yeah, actually, I'll tell you what, send them to the Instagram. Yeah, just, be just so I have to forward yeah, them. Yeah, so he's got to reply to you guys and then message me. <laughs> uh, today we're going to do an episode on the Land Rover. On Sam. Yeah, just just on Sam. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to do an episode on the Land Rover Discovery because um, we had a vote and I said that more people would be interested in that than Sam. Yeah. And I got no argument, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, first, before we even go into this, we did a buyer's guide, oh, it'd be a couple of months ago now, on the Land Rover Discovery 3 and 4, and I missed out on this buyer's guide, the 4-litre V6 engine. So apologies for that. Someone in the comments pointed it out, and I said I would do a podcast at some point to cover off this engine, which I'm going to do at the start of this one, just because. So this engine was only available in Australia and North America, and I just... Uh, well, I'll be honest, didn't know about it. I knew they did the diesel, I knew they did the V8 petrol, and I knew they did the supercharged um, 3 litre on the Discovery 4, uh, the 3 litre diesel on the Discovery 4, but did not know, I suppose, not living in those markets and not really hearing too much about it. Uh, well, I do enjoy it when we have to start a podcast with you apologising. Oh, I know you do, mate. You've been relishing this. What so, a birthday present. Yeah. <laughs> So the engine that's in it is a 4-litre V6 DOHC Ford engine. It's one that is shared with the Ford Mustang. So the V6 Ford Mustang of the similar era has this same engine. So if you're familiar with that one, you'll be familiar with the one that's in the uh, Defender. Uh, sorry, the Discovery. The things to look out for, um, and I know this is separate to our episode, by the way. It's just I said I'd do this, so I want to do it. And then, you know, at least if someone watches the buyer's guide and they, they're looking for the v6 specifically they can come to this podcast uh things to look out for uh dpfe sensors you'll get a code come up which will be p1401 or p0408 if you get that error come up uh, with an engine management then it's a dpfe sensor they're known to fail they're part of the exhaust gas recirculation system and that's your first port of call second port of call would be the egr itself um, that could fail Obviously, if the you know, check the condition of the EGR because it, that may just be just be completely blocked, <laughs> uh, which obviously would throw a similar code. But most likely, the sensors are known for going. So, first one there. Second issue: overheating through coolant uh, leaks. So around the gaskets and around some of the pipework, they can develop a coolant leak, which causes engine overheating. So the engine actually isn't sort of prone to overheat on its own prone to overheat because the coolant system has failed so if buying one uh, turn it on get it let it run let it get up to temperature and just start looking around from the radiator following those pipes as far as you can with your eye trying to see if there's anywhere where you can see a leak if you can see a leak then that coolant system needs uh, a little bit of work either you need to do it or you need to sort of budget in when you buy to get a garage to replace it it's likely to be gaskets seals something like that rather than you know um some catastrophic failure could be the radiator but it's more like the seals itself uh third they're known for cam chain stretching this is not a catastrophic failure issue because it's a non-interference cam chain okay so the valves will not hit the pistons if the cam chain fails however um, they do have an issue with stretching. They'll fail and obviously leave you stuck. So best off. Difficult with a cam chain to tell if it's stretched. Uh, obviously timing. Yeah. But because it's non-interference, it's you know difficult to. So depending on how mechanically sort of knowledgeable you are, I would suggest rather than me trying to explain ways of trying to spot it because it's not especially on a non-interference engine it's not like you could just go oh yeah that looks stretched do you know what i mean it's not it's not going to be that obvious um i'd either get an inspection done 
or I'd take it to a Land Rover approved centre upon buying it and just say, look, I know it's got the issue. A, what's the cost of replacing it so that you know you've got a fresh one? Or yeah, can you check it out for me? And they should be able to. And to be fair, if you are in the US or you're in uh, the did the Mustang? I don't think the Mustang on that generation, and I'm sure the Mustang on that generation didn't go to Australia. So I'm trying to think what equivalent. But if you go to a Ford specialist in either North America or Australia, they should be familiar with this engine. I'm trying to think in Australia what it would have gone in. And I'm sorry, I cannot think of the um, equivalent sort of Australian built car. Yeah. But in, in the US, anywhere that will deal with a Mustang will deal with this car. They know this engine. So if they say, oh, I don't deal with Land Rovers, just say, yeah, but the engine out of a Mustang, V6. So if you'll deal with that, if you'll deal with yeah. any Ford, you can deal <laughs> with this. Um, lastly, harmonic, uh, harmonic balancer shaft um, can either get a bit slack or separate. Uh, oh, sorry, that's not the last one. Again, when we get into these details of what to look for, I am very aware that they can get a bit specific. And so unless you're sort of really mechanically knowledgeable, it can be a bit difficult to spot. But a bit of a telltale if you've got misfiring, something like that, or if you could, if it just doesn't sound quite right to your ear, that might be one of the issues. And if you take it to a garage, worth mentioning to them first off and just say, look, can you check this out, see if that looks in good shape. So they don't end up doing what a lot of the time they do if they don't know where the issue is coming from and they don't know what the common issue is, they'll change other bits to see, you know, uh, where it is last one uh, valve spring breakage um that will cause a misfire that'll be obvious if that's broken should notice already. that one yeah that should be fairly noticeable for you so sorry to anyone that that was look were looking for a four liter v6 on the discovery three discovery four watched the youtube video and now it's come to the podcast but i hope you enjoy the podcast i hope you stick around for it and it was all part of miles's plan yes that was all my plan to drag you across to, to come and listen to the podcast <laughs> Um, I wouldn't normally miss it. It's just, um, I don't think it's that common of an engine to have in the Discovery, but maybe it is in North America. I thought they mainly had V8s, to be honest. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, and in you know, in like the UK and Europe, we got it offered with the um, we got it offered with the with the diesel, with the V8 as well. But the V8 got dropped in the UK after a little while. Yeah, um, just because it wasn't so popular here at the time. It was diesel everything. And then on the facelift, on the Discovery, well, facelift, on the, the Discovery 4, uh, they brought the three-litre supercharged engine in. And that seemed to be sort of the pick if you wanted uh, petrol or gas, as it would have been in most of the markets that got the three-litre supercharged engine. So the sort of four-litre V6 kind of just, if you're looking at them as a total sort of sale as to what was actually available, that wasn't the predominant one from what I could see. But... I'm happy to be proven wrong. In this case, I was proven wrong, and uh, I Whee! hope, yeah, and I hope that's helped. We can go on to the episode now, Sam, which is all about Land Rover discoveries. We're going to start with the first generation, go to the second, then the third, then the fourth, and then the fifth. Sounds like a good way of doing things. So we'll start off with the first generation. Uh, I think you you've got a picture in your head, I guess, Sam. What I'm you getting think. a picture on my phone? Do you want to have a quick look? Yeah. Just to sort of picture what they look like. If you um if you're not sure at home or you know, I understand if you're driving you're not gonna be able to look at it, but if you're at home and you're uh trying to imagine what it looks like, it's the earliest if you can Oh yeah, I know that one, yeah. Yeah, it's like the earliest one you can think of. Yeah. So on these you have your traditional farm discovery. Yeah, it is, yeah. If you've ever seen a, a discovery on a farm, it's yeah. probably this one. Usually with a sheepdog in the back <laughs> exactly, of it. Exactly, yeah. Uh the uh, so the production was from 89 to 98, I believe. I'll just double-check that, make sure I'm not telling more lies about the... Uh, well, I mean, discovery. it's just sort of what we expect from you now, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, so it's 1989 to 1998. First engines available you could get it with... You could either have... So with the diesel, it had the 200 TDI, which was shared with the Defender. Okay. They did then change that in 94 to be the 300 tdi both are two and a half liters um obviously it did 94 to 98 with that uh, yeah with that um three liter uh, sorry 300 tdi two and a half liter on this one you can have the 3.5 liter rover v8 
which is that one that was the Buick derived one. It's in oh, okay. loads and loads of stuff. You know, M- MGB GT V8. Oh, of course. As, as I mean, ever. it's been a few podcasts since you mentioned it. Yeah, so. well, got it in on this one. Yeah, um, they did a two liter uh, four cylinder petrol as well, and then they also did the three point nine liter Rover V8. Um, came with either a four speed uh, ZF automatic or a five speed manual. I don't actually know if what the preference would be for whether you'd want auto or manual. I suppose if you're going to use it as like a farm off roader, you probably probably go manual I yeah think. probably yeah it's a bit more old school isn't it yeah and you can be a bit more sort of selective of your gearing whereas instead of just leaving it to an automatic yes uh if you want one to run around as a bit of a classic on the road then you probably want to plump for the automatic but um first introduced uh at the you know it's funny i've done a lot of buyer's guides and we've done a lot of research for different bits of the show mm-hmm. the amount of the amount of cars that are released at the Frankfurt Motor Show. I may as yeah. well just say they're all released there and yeah. just accept that I'll be wrong one out of ten times. <laughs> yeah. It seems like every car seems to be released there. Um, so it was 1989 at the Frankfurt Motor Show that the Discovery won the first show. Surprise. There we go, yeah. Um, from there, so it went on sale in the UK straight away. And what, is, what do people... Anything that you want to know about this, Sam? About this, I mean, obviously, we've covered off the engines. Uh, it's available in a three and a five. And a five yeah. Uh, five How many four. farmers bought it, Mars? Oh, thousands. <laughs> Do you know what? I think it is you actually... You don't see many of them about. First gen ones. Second I think, gen, I think, you see more of. I think these vehicles suffered from being uh, scrapped fairly heavily during the scrappage scheme. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think what happened was is that a lot of them had been used as off-road and as farm vehicles. Yeah. And when the scrappage scheme came in the UK in about 2008, 2009, I think mm-hmm. it was, um, a lot of them were in that position where they were possibly worth a bit more than the scrappage scheme. I think it was about £2,000. But it was just the hassle of it was selling the work. it and the work. It was the work, yeah. A lot yeah, of them yeah, just yeah. needed more than... To, like they, were, they were worth it on the face value. Yeah. But with rotten chassis or, you know, bits of mechanical work they need doing yeah it makes it not worth it unless it, yeah. you're an enthusiast that wants to be fixing it up there's just been so many that have been used and they've been used well yeah they were up they were coming up to 20 years old some of them 20 some of them were 20 years old but oh, that's a shame um but yeah because of that i think we lost a lot of the early ones the ones that i think have survived the the 200 and the 300 tdi seem to be pretty loved okay i'd imagine the the v8 um the Buick derived V8, just because of its history. Yeah. Uh, the EFI 3.9. Again, I mean, I suppose they're they're probably all got their own sort of preference and following. I yeah. think now, if you're looking at one, the issue would be if you were going to use it on the road, just driving it around, you know, as a classic that you want to own and drive. Yeah. You possibly don't want to have the diesel because of limitations for where you can go, and the charges yeah, you're going to face. Fair. You know, sort of with these some of these older diesels not going into the cities, it isn't far off. If it's eighty nine, it's only seven eight years off becoming a classic, uh, historic vehicle in the UK. Which means you can drive it into once it's historic status, no MOT, no tax. Oh really? Yeah. Oh okay. So once it comes to that forty year marker, however. I do wonder what's going to happen with these sort of historic vehicle classifications. I think there's enough clout behind the sort of administration yeah. that will stop the government saying, no, we're not allowing that anymore. Okay. I think there's enough clout. It's just what I'm worried about is that, you know what will happen. Someone will do a YouTube video driving a, a really old diesel pouring black smoke around yeah. the centre of London yeah. and make a big deal of the fact that it's technically legal. Not yet, of course. Well, I'm not saying it's not legal. I'm just saying that when it's a historic vehicle, they wouldn't have had to pay. They won't have to pay congestion and yeah. all that sort of stuff. It will be exempt from all of them. Yeah, and yeah. they'll say, look what I can do. I can blow smoke all over Oxford Street. And yeah. I haven't got to pay to <laughs> All over here. the commuters. Yeah, and then so someone in the government will say, oh, we should really you know, change the rules on this. And you know, it will become really narrow as to what you can be. So uh, if you're planning on doing that, please don't, because you'll ruin it for everyone. Yeah, you well, only need, it will be the Daily Mail or someone like that, <laughs> and they'll send a photographer out, and they'll yes. make it look like you. And then there'll be a campaign going yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> and before you know it, it'll be the M1 speed limits all over again. 
Do you know, interestingly, just a quick side note, because I had to do a, an article the other day about um, speed limits in the UK for my, my, my uh-huh. other job outside of the miles driven. And uh, there's this story that I think that's gained traction, which is that the reason we got a speed limit was because they did a test run at about 180, a manufacturer did, okay. on the M1. Yes, it was. It was, um, was it not Jaguar? I thought it was With Jaguar. type but... No, I don't think it was the Jaguar E-Type. I think it was a, I think it was Jaguar, but then I remember writing this thinking, hmm. But anyway, the okay. actual limit came in four years later. Right. And the what had happened was they put in a temporary limit. Okay. Like a like a trial. Yeah. yeah. After this happened. And they said the trial worked really well, which obviously it worked really well because almost everyone couldn't do 70 miles an hour yeah. so yeah. it's it's like if you put a limit on the m1 today you're 170 and saying well it's worked really well no one's breaking the limit it's like, yeah well you know <laughs> obviously yeah <laughs> um but, and because of that they then managed to pass it through law and it was from there they started putting speed limits across the country right okay on the motorways they got 70s then they started to bring in the 30 zones and then some politician in wales went wild and recently said oh yeah you've got to be at walking pace everywhere basically yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were really happy about that. Yeah, I distinctly really. remember you saying, this is the way we should be going. Yeah, uh, and we will be doing a YouTube episode on that where Sam challenges it with his feet. So. With his, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But we won't give anything more away. Uh, now, back to the, the um, discovery. I don't think there's too much I want to mention on the first generation one. You could get an automatic um, across... Just trying to think if there was any that were limited, but I don't think I think there's certain dates they come in. Okay. The one thing to mention is that when we're talking about this early one, same with the Disco Two, Discovery Two, and same no, actually we were just talking about these first two discoveries. They kind of really are their own discovery. Okay. Once you get to Discovery Three, which we'll come on to. The chassis with that was shared with the Range Rover Sport. Yes. And then from then on, the Range Rover and the Discovery 5 shared a platform. Mm -hmm. So it really, if you sort of want the essence of Discovery, Discovery 1, Discovery 2. Sounds very philosophical then. It does. If you want the essence of Discovery. Yeah. You're talking about anything there. It's really good, (laughs) couldn't you? But it's just that if you're sort of sat there thinking, do you know what? I, I want a classic. And I, yeah. I, I, I want it to be a classic of its own right. I don't want people to say, oh, well, that's actually one of these or yeah. know, rebodied. Uh, Discovery 1, Discovery 2, the two to look out for. Um, See, for me personally, my personal point, if mm. you said to me, all right, you've got to pick two Discoveries and you've got to pick the two that sort of shout Discovery to you, mm. it would be two and three. Interesting that it's two and I know three. they're slightly they're massively different cars, I know. But yeah, yeah. for me, I've grown up with the sort of two because the one's quite similar looking to the two. Yeah. So I grew up with the more modern one, obviously, yeah, yeah. of the two. And then the three was everywhere. Like obviously, when it came out, it was like yeah, a yeah. new My thing. And, one, yeah, yeah. So for me, that they'd be the two. Um, and now, nowadays, well, I know we're going to get there, but for me, like, the five now is basically just a Range Rover. Mm. But we'll get to that. Obviously. We will get to that. And I, I just want to take a pause when we do when we finish Discovery 4 before we go on to Discovery 5. Mm-hmm. I, and it, there's an important reason why we're doing this podcast about Discovery. Okay. And it sits between those two. So we'll we'll go on to that. Um, I hope we remember to. I think there was a podcast where I I'll said... I'll try and remember. Yeah, I did this before. I listened back to a podcast where I said, and we will cover that. In like, And then half an hour later, I thought, we didn't say it. Oh. I didn't write a note down <laughs> and we didn't say it. So um, we won't do that this Standard. time. Uh, just in case you're listening uh, internationally, well, I'll be specific to Australia. You didn't get the the, the um, discovery till 1991. No, oh. yeah, <laughs> I get. I guess probably took <laughs> ages to get it over there. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and why put a snorkel on? They could have driven over there. Yeah, across the Indian Ocean. Yeah, off they be go. fine. Yeah, it's a Land Rover. Uh, and it was 94. <laughs> For our US or North American oh, okay. uh, right. listeners. So it was only on the update. I think that's right. an emissions thing. Because they also, the two litre really was uh, an also an emissions thing. Because 
quite a lot of countries and i think a few still hmm, they probably have dropped it more recently but they used to have restrictions on tax by engine size oh okay do you remember i told you the story about uh, an e-class going to cyprus and someone i didn't think we'd ever sell it and i, I sold yes. it in five minutes yeah, because yeah, it yeah. was the 1.9 supercharged engine yeah and someone was like yeah i'll buy it because they it, it was so difficult to get hold of those yes yeah, cheap yeah. tax but they had to be under two liter and that mm-hmm. was the only one and they weren't common so um yeah that's just the point of the two liter but i think it's those ones that they probably haven't made it i mean i'm sure some have yeah but if you're sacrificing chassis those are probably because of course this is that old thing now these vehicles have got to an age where there'll be bits of them the doors for example or windscreen or whatever else where yeah they'll chop up one to make another one really nice yeah, exactly and you're having to make the decision which ones are living and dying depending on how bad the chassis rotted out or yeah. what engine it has in it or what gearbox or anything else similar to that chap um down the road for me that we drive but you drive past him he yes. comes to mine with the lexuses yeah he's got he's two got is 200s on one, his drive one of them ripped apart yeah. and the other one looking quite nice yeah uh that'll do for the discovery one if anyone has any questions just send them in um facebook for sam instagram for me yep and we'll, we'll answer them but um we'll move on to discovery two now so this is chassis coding if you're interested in land rover chassis coding l318 i quite like the discovery 2 oh yes great car uh this was the first one that i sort of was ever in oh, no it wasn't the first because i've gotten a freelander before this but when i was a kid fair kid when i was younger yeah <laughs> uh this was sort of the first proper land rover yeah, yeah. that i actually got in I think I've said in the podcast before that my auntie had one of these that was a G4 edition in bright orange. Yep. Um, so I really like these ones. These were made 98, 2004 when they got replaced by the Discovery 3. You could have them with 4 litre V8, 4.6 litre V8, or 2.5 litre D5 diesel. To me, I'd go with the D5. Yeah. I really like a, a V8 engine. Yeah, very unusual for you to go down this road. I know, but the D5 diesel engine that Land Rover had, um, it, it's such a good engine. I mean, okay, it's not look, it's not winning the horsepower wars. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, get the get one of the petrol ones, get the V8s. But the I, I really like that the D5 engine. Yeah. Um, and I think it, sorry, the TD5 engine. I've been saying D5, haven't I? Yeah. TD, TD5. Keep thinking of uh, the. Did the TD5 would go in the Defender as well, no? Yes. Yeah. The same of the same years. Yes. That's, um, it's funny because the Defender. That's the non-transit engine. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah. that's what Will's got in his Defender. Probably a lot of people I'm like sure. a lot of the sort of Land Rover enthusiasts like what, well, and including the Queen. Yes. In she had a Defender, yep. loved her TD5 engine in it. It just it works very well for a Land Rover. Quite grunty. Yeah, it's not going to win a race, but if you are intending to use it as they are supposed to be used, they're quite efficient. I mean, it, yeah, again, it's, it's not a Prius, but no one, no one is on it. Well, well, actually, the Defender that we were talking about just then mm. is one that in a week and a half, in mm-hmm. ten, 10 days' time from now, uh, no, 11 days, 31 days in October, isn't there, that you will <laughs> yeah. see as a wedding car. Yeah, is it Defender? I thought you had yeah. a... No, Will's Defender. Oh, yes. That's what... Sorry, yeah, that's yeah. what the, uh, the bride is arriving in. Yes. So I'm sure if you ask him nicely, I'm sure he'll let you take a picture to put up on the Instagram. Yeah, yeah. The miles-driven Defender. Interestingly, we actually already have a D5 Defender pictured on our Instagram oh, because go. I did an off-roading thing. Not with bows on the front of it, though. This is very true. Yeah. Yeah, this is very true. No, I shall put something on Instagram for that so everyone can see that Sam did actually get married and the bride actually turned up yeah and <laughs> just for I'll, those that are worried i'll post one on the facebook which is sort of self-congratulatory yeah <laughs> i guess because it no one will blame you it. mate yeah <laughs> um yeah no I, do, I just think it fits the discovery very well the td5 engine yeah uh, as i said powerful enough sounds good if you've got a decent exhaust system if you yeah <laughs> yeah uh and also it's going to have that sort of low end for if you are doing some proper off-roading and you're going through mud and all that sort of stuff yeah, yeah. and you just need that 
low end to get you through it, it's well suited to that and because you've got a diesel it's got more range than the petrols yes so you're not having to worry oh i mean not so much of an issue in the uk because you're probably never more than well maybe if you're up in the north of scotland you're more than 50 miles from a petrol station well i think we'll actually did from north the northamptonish area okay. to scotland on a tank in that's his, not bad in his yeah. defender i think that's that's it was something of a like that anyway yeah yeah for one Bed, of these for sort of bedford northampton area yeah, to, yeah. that's good going to to scotland is not bad at all um I'm not going to go into the petrols on these. Actually, if no. you want, if you want the this is this is outrageous. Yeah, this no, is so just... not miles. <laughs> <laughs> if you want the V8s, then I, I would. I remember seeing a V8 recently in Bath parked up, and I thought in oh, a Bath in wow in the city of Bath, <laughs> uh, and I thought oh, it is nice to see them as a V8, just because so many of yeah, the, yeah, that of generation course. sold TD5, mm-hmm. um, and I'd never begrudge someone who said no. I'd rather have the V8. I'd be like, well, that's fair enough because it's a V8. I can't argue yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, just that if you're sort of saying, oh, I'm looking around, I want a discovery, and I want it to be as uh, agricultural is the wrong word, but utilitarian. Yeah, I don't think people would blame you for saying agricultural. They know what you mean. It's yeah. not necessarily an, an offensive term. No, I know. And it just sort of, that makes it fit the TD5 engine really well. Yeah, it does. It, it's yeah. sort of all just the, the essence. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that quite one. Well. Um, is there much more to say on these? They did, I say, they did the G4 edition, which was yep great, uh, very rare now, and probably worth too much money. Well, not too much, but you've got to be an enthusiast. To want Shall one. I have a look while you're talking? Yeah, see if you can even find one. Sam. Yeah, just wonder if there's one on Auto Trader. But you carry on, and I shall. Uh... Okay, moving on from there, we've done a buyer's guide for this generation, which is the L319. Uh, this is 0409. They get a facelift. Um, sorry, not a facelift. They go to Discovery 4. I keep calling it a facelift because the chassis is the same between Discovery 3 and Discovery 4. So, right. And if you looked at two in a car park. Did we do, did we do three? No, we're doing three now. Oh, right. Sorry. Um, sorry. When you said four, then I was like, uh-huh. I'm, have I just fallen asleep for <laughs> <Yeah>. 10 minutes? <laughs> I'm only just pointing. Just the thing I want to point out is uh, if you the three and the four, they, they are slightly different. But if you saw two parked next to each other, yeah, and you didn't know loads about cars, you'd be like, well, "It's the same car." You they do look of, similar, yeah. yeah, because you know the facelift got a slightly different front grille and yeah, and a few and tail lights and, and you know bits and pieces and a different interior. So it was a rework, but the chassis itself is the same. Um, what, oh, sorry, just quickly, was I looking for a Discovery Two G Four? So I was, you was asking me to look yes. for. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. As we mentioned at the start of this podcast, they were available with a four litre V6 engine, which is only in Australia and North America. Uh, for the rest of the world, Discovery 3, you're either going to have the choice of a 2.7 litre TDV6, which is the one that was in Europe more, much more popular, but they also had the 4.4 litre Jaguar Land Rover V8. Now, you can go into the uh, go on YouTube and watch our buyer's guide for this if you want great detail on them. But if you are looking for one, there's something you should be aware of with the diesel when compared to the petrol. The thing with the TDV6 engine is the Lion um, TDV6. It has a known issue which can be which can lead to catastrophic failure. Oh dear. Uh, yeah, it's part of the oil pump housing at the front on the crank. The crank seems a bit it's basically like a weakness of the crankshaft um because of that it, it's this not like every fifth one of them is breaking in half right which is if you read them on the internet is what you'll be told <laughs> um, the trouble is that that's one major issue with age and depending on you know which one you find and how well it's been kept there are a lot of other issues that can arise which make the diesel just a little bit i wouldn't say risky but you, we talked about how good the td5 was yeah to go to this one and then talk about the tdv6 it's just like ah uh, there is like a known yeah, big okay. problem here um and it's not to say that you're going to end up buying one it's just it, you know it there wasn't really a lot i could find that sort of said well if it's say uh, not been serviced very well yes. or if it's done 200,000 miles or something Usually, 
if there's a common fault, there's a common theme. There's like an indicator that would say this is probably yeah. one that you should avoid. And we can sort of say, oh, look, as long as it's done this, or as long as it's had this recall. Yeah. The problem is when you've got a crank that is essentially, I mean, it's, I just think weak's an unfair word to use, but a weaker crank, and then you have an issue. So a vulnerability. A vulnerability is a good, that's a good way of putting it. The oil pump housing on the front, you can get that changed. Okay. to a newer unit and that seems to resolve at least some of this so i think basically what happens is that seizes up which then causes the crank oh okay to, to stop and obviously the engine keeps spinning and that snaps the mm -hmm. crank snapped crank end of end of engine simple yeah. as um you know so because of that it's just something to be aware of and you may find that someone says it's had a new engine you may find that someone says look i'm aware of it i've done this and that there's lots of owners that have done youtube videos that have done guides online that are on the land rover forums that can talk about this if you're worried about it but what i should stress is you will find if you look for a land rover discovery 3 lots that have done 200,000 miles yes so that should be a good indicator of how reliable they are yeah because i know a lot of people hear land rover say that'll break down every five minutes and i don't yeah. want to touch it yeah but the fact that some people have run them up to 200,000 miles, maybe they've had to put a new engine in. Who knows? But it's not going to be every single one, is it? So, no, of course it's you not. Um, you could have it with a manual. Not that popular. This is where manuals start disappearing. Yeah, well, the shape of the car changed. It seems to become more of a luxury vehicle as opposed to a utilitarian vehicle. The fact that the Range Rover Sport was based off of it, I think... Yeah, I think what they did is they sort of looked at the the Range Rover and they said, right. I mean, the defend the, the Discovery was always meant to be in the shadow of the Range Rover anyway. So take some yeah, of it. Yeah, of course it was. Take yeah. some it's of sort it. Of a, sort of a, a crossover. More of like sorts. the family, yeah. you know, um, like sort of family friendly, bit cheaper. Yeah, but uh, can go off proper off-roading. But yeah, can, but sort of leaning a little bit more Defender-ish yeah. than Range Rover-ish. And then you come to this generation where they tried to get it right in the middle. And I think, actually, they did a good job. But it is the last time, because this is where you are um, chassis on frame. Mm -hmm. So the last chassis on frame um, vehicle that Land Rover make was the Discovery 4. The very last ones actually beat the, the Fender okay. by like seven months of production or something like that. It's very difficult to get an exact date. But okay. it looks like the factory churned out their last Defender before they churned out their last um, Discovery. Well, and obviously the Range Rover Sport had already finished production and gone into the new chassis yeah. long before then. So just an interesting point if someone's wanting that proper, yeah. if you like, you know, um, utilitarian-ish feel to it. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, the manual starts to disappear. As in it's available, but you can see this big drop-off compared to Okay. Uh, the discovery one and discovery two where people were sort of you know uh, farmers i guess or people that wanted to use them off road or people that were living in areas of the country or areas of the world where you are going to get caught out with bad weather and actually really need yeah you know they, they they started to transition more towards automatic the automatic gearbox got better the systems got better and it as you as sam said it moved a little bit more to the sort of upmarket mm-hmm um which is where you could go s se hse uh, the gs spec as well but if you see an hse uh land rover discovery 3 it you know you get in one and you think this is a nice car like this, yeah yes i definitely could go off-roading in this but it feels it's a nice like, place to be yeah it feels like it's more taking on the germans if you like like the x5 or that sort of stuff mm -hmm. it, it does you know it still leans a little bit more. You can definitely feel there's more to it from an off-road sense. But you just get the feeling when you go for the top-end one that their market was more people that were never, ever going to go more than on a wet, muddy field yes. to a rugby or a football game or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, yeah, so six-speed manual and six-speed automatic. They're heavy vehicles. Yeah, of course they are. <laughs> I'm sure that will shock absolutely no one, but you are around two and a half tonnes. Yeah. Okay. If you're in North America, you don't know it as a Discovery. You've probably oh, really? heard it as a Discovery, but it was called the LR3. Really? Yeah, and oh, the wow. LR4. Um, this seems to be a marketing 
thing. Okay. And I hate to talk about unreliability in Land Rover, but only because <laughs> I'm biased, like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> it seems that basically the early um, discoveries that gone out there, Discovery 1, Discovery 2, yep. had had quite a number of failures, and probably oh, no. one of the reasons why uh, in North America they gave themselves a bit of a bad name for reliability. And so they decided to not call it the Discovery again to sort of detach that name Interesting. and call it LR3, which Land Rover 3, yeah. Land Rover Discovery 3. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot to connect. You couldn't dots. have LRD3 because it sounded like LARD3. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, th that was um, North America, Middle East. You've got LR3. Oh, okay. And then you've got LR4. I think when it goes to Discovery 5, we go back to the whole world getting Discovery. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, just because they managed to shape. Well, I don't know that they ever have. One thing I want to say, if you're listening in North America and everyone's told you that all these vehicles break down, <laughs> there is a reason why that isn't such a strong... I don't know, people do talk about it a lot in the UK. But I think it depends who you have working on them. That's fair. Yeah, yeah if you yeah, live yeah. in a village in the UK and half of the population of the village owns some form of Land Rover, <laughs> your local garage will know the ins and outs of those cars and you're not going to find many people that say they're rubbish. Everyone's going to yeah. say, oh yeah, it has the odd problem, but it's brilliant. Because the local garage knows everything that can go wrong with them. Every person that comes in there saying, oh, I've got a little fault here. They know what it, they've, they've telegraphed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they saw it drive past them yesterday and thought that person's going to be in here tomorrow telling me there's a problem. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's, it depends who you have working on them. And I think that's a bit of an issue for um, markets around the world where it goes into a local garage who maybe isn't that familiar, doesn't want to go to the dealer because the dealer's very expensive. That's fair. And, and maybe A lot special. of people don't nowadays, do they? No, just because, I mean, I've had this issue with um, my partner's car. It goes into the dealer because I want, you know, for, wh for whatever it is, I, we're willing to pay for the dealer to service it because it, you get a year's free breakdown that's covered for the whole of Europe. So we can take the car yeah. anywhere in Europe and we get a breakdown cover through the dealer. Yeah. Or through, sorry, through the manufacturer if we service with them. Yeah. Because of that, you look at the cost of that, you look at the cost of a specialist service once a dealer service with the breakdown, it, it gets pretty close. Mm -hmm. The trouble is, you see the job that gets done and you think, huh, it's not great. This is like, like they, it's like the dealer's gone, nah, we'll just do exactly the same service. Like It doesn't really feel you're getting a lot more no. for your money. And see, we're, we're stuck in with Mazda because of, we had that engine problem. Yeah, you want to keep We've now going. got to keep going to Mazda yeah. because we're out of warranty, but it's on their system. Yeah. We can say, well, look, we've serviced with you as long as we've had the car, so fix it, even though it's out of warranty yeah. because you told us you would fix it. Yeah. But if we rent another... And then the they, service center, they like, well, give them service chance, so. yeah, yeah. We talked about this on a recent podcast, yeah. didn't we, about how they'll look for ways to get out of it. Just a side note, because I saw this on a forum post the other day, and I, I just didn't think of it. The Freelander, as we know it here, which yeah. became the Discovery Sport in the UK and Europe, uh, it was known as the LR2 in its second generation oh, really? in the US. I think, again, for the same reasons that the Freelander, oh, okay. uh, the Freelander had... A known issue on the early ones, which was they had the K-series engine, which are just known to blow head gaskets. Right, okay. So before you've even started. <laughs> You're up against it before you yeah, start. Yes, yeah. and they didn't get the diesel versions, which most people in Europe and the UK went for, and they actually didn't have so many issues. Oh, okay. So the ones that North Americans got were like, it's like they were on the boat on the way there, and someone was going... We really want to send these ones. We yeah. know that this is like, <laughs> yeah. like they're already getting a bit of a bad reputation, yeah. and we are just sending the ones that we know. And we not just sneak <laughs> a, a bad decision in, from the know. beginning. Yeah, that's Discovery Three into Discovery Four. Well, before I've oh, got an answer, sorry, Sam. Go I've got an answer on the Discovery Two yes. G Four. I found one for sale on eBay. All right, okay. Do you have a guess at the price? Twenty-two thousand. Oh, would you like pounds. to know the mileage first? No, I don't think people will care. Okay. Well, the mileage is 179,000. Wow. <laughs> Further proof that that TD5 yeah. engine is a, is a great Well, one. yeah. I still think it's going to be silly money. Is it, is it, bright, what, is it, is it a genuine one? Bright let, orange? Let, let me read you the blurb. It's, it's okay. not too long. It'll only take me a minute. Let me just so. see a picture. Just check it. It is, yeah. It's... 
And that's yeah, stupid. One. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm just <laughs> checking that someone hasn't stuck a G4 sticker okay. on the side of one. Selling our genuine G4 Challenge Discovery. Oh, yes, I've got it, it in the title. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it has clocked up a few miles, but the vehicle has been maintained regardless of expense. In addition, it is important to note that the main bearing issue caused an engine replacement at 80,000 miles Ooh. during previous ownership, which was, was replaced by Land Rover, so the engine is actually nearing 100,000 miles. Because the rest sad. of the car's done 180. Yeah. <laughs> The car was used in the selection trials in Belgium back in 2008 and then placed into storage by Land Rover. Its first owner, after Land Rover, acquired the vehicle in 2009 and we purchased it from them in 2015. We've used it for events for our business. As far as we are aware, this vehicle has never been used for off-roading, which seems absolutely that criminal, was, doesn't was, it? <laughs> hang on, that was the original media stuff that they did with the G4. The G4 challenge was to take them off-road. I'm guessing since, since, since Land Rover used it. Right, really. okay. But did you know they come with a um, an accessory? Ladder on the back? No. Uh, you're testing me now. It's the next line, so if you don't get it, it's fine. Uh, okay, go but on. The car also comes with its original G4 bike. Really? So they always come with a bike, apparently. Well, Although this my hasn't... auntie's one didn't have a bike. <laughs> so someone Although this hasn't that. been used for several years, so may need service. Also comes with the iconic number plate. Of G4 LRV. Really? Bet that's worth a bit of a bit of dollar. Um, it's also had a professional installed inverter added to the boot. So you can boil a kettle and stuff. Um, that is pretty much... I won't go through the whole thing because it's not really fair on the people that wrote it. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, you d didn't know the price, did you? I still think it's going to be outrageous. Uh, just because it's basically a collector's car. Okay, so what are you saying? £22,000. Oh, do you know what? A snip. Once again, <laughs> at £19,500. I wasn't far off, was <laughs> no, I? No, you weren't. Uh, Which is a lot for a car that is, is 14 but... years old and has done nearly 200,000 yeah. miles. I know it's got a new engine. Well, it hasn't got a new engine. It's got a 100,000 yeah. mile yeah. old engine. But the rest of the car's still done Yeah, 180,000. They're rare. Some of them but have yeah, been... Yeah, it just shows you, doesn't it? Yeah. And they're so noticeable if you see one because of the bright orange paintwork. Yeah. The G4 stickers. Oh, they just stand out, don't they? They do, yeah. Uh, just... I'd say, if you've got one, um, my auntie should have kept her one. Yeah, if you've got one, hold on to it. Just hold on. Yeah, it was just, they become one of those parts of Land Rover history. Yeah, A bit precisely. like, you know, the Series 1, um, well, any of the first generation Land Rovers, actually. I was going to pick out one, but any of the first generations one that's in good condition. Yeah, okay. You know, the, the chassis have been reconditioned or, you know, whatever else. Um, or it's just been, had an easy life. Or it's the Queen's. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In which case, you know. Then you're uh, paying a bit more for it then. Yeah. So anyway, so you can go on to the Yeah, format. yeah. Into Discovery 4, L320 chassis Kogan's. Yeah. So obviously we've been L318, L319, L320. Uh, came with 3 litre uh, V6 petrol with a supercharger. Yeah. Uh, again, all of this is on the buyer's guide. So if you want more details, just check out. And Miles there it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just go to the Miles Driven YouTube. And there is the buyer's guide covers the three and four. Um, but I have covered off the V6 that I missed. You have. Well done. Yeah. Uh, what five, a birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> the five litre V8 non-supercharged engines, 385 horsepower, uh, naturally aspirated. The three litre. Uh, so it, it they changed the naming. It's a bit odd. So they, right. They changed it to SDV6. Mm -hmm. So you have TDV6 2.7. Uh, the list that I have here shows that the 2.7 was still for sale on the 4, but I don't know which market. Oh, okay. So possibly it did a first year. Yeah. It was still with the 2.7, then it went 3 litre. But yeah, S you'll see it badged, TDV6, SDV6. It's okay. just, it's just Land Rover badging it. But the 3 okay. litre engine, same. yeah, three it's the same Lion V6. Yeah. It's the engine that Land Rover wanted to have a 3 litre, more powerful more, more talk, all that sort of stuff. But it revised the issue that was causing this catastrophic failure with cranks snapping. Yeah. Uh, fully solved it. There's less occurrence of it from what I could find okay. when I did the buyer's guide and less reports. However, they are newer vehicles. Yeah. A bit less stressed because they're a bit more powerful. I'm not going to say it completely resolved it. Okay. But it seem, they seem to be better. Of course, being me, 
I'd say buy petrol. But if you're in the UK, you can't. Well, it depends. You wouldn't always say that, as you've shown. No, that's true, actually. It's, yeah, a changed man in this there podcast. We go, yeah. is... um, the, one, the one thing I don't like about this is I think in the UK, we may have been... Oh, I'm trying to think. Did we ever get offered the Discovery 4 with a petrol? I don't think we did. I think the V8 oh, really? we didn't get. Um, I think that was North America and sort of Middle East. Uh, the 3 litre replaced the V8, and I don't think we got that either. Okay. Sam can double check that on Autostrade or something while I'm doing this, but um So I'm just looking for any petrol. The preview wrong. Discovery four with a with a petrol engine, yeah. I think what you'll find is ones that say they're left hand drive imports or right hand drive imports from yeah. markets okay. like Japan or something. Uh six speed ZF manual, six speed ZF automatic. I've already found the answer because the fuel type is blurred out. So the to diesel. Stuck on diesel, yeah. yeah. Uh and then eight speed ZF automatic. So those are the three gearboxes you could have. I think it's very rare you're going to find one with a manual. Yeah. As I put a note in the buyer's guide, they ca- and I really like this about Land Rover, they kept selling the Discovery because they always had like a commercial version. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, you know, no seats in the yeah. back. Uh, so they could, you know, it's for tax reasons, yeah. for farmers and stuff. Mm-hmm. I really like that even when they got to the Discovery 4, and they're like, yeah, farmers aren't really buying this Yeah, I mean, car. no one's buying this as a farm vehicle. It's, yeah, exactly. But they carried on making the commercial version Good. for the sort of 10 farmers that said, <laughs> I want, I don't care, I want the Discovery to carry hay bales around. Yeah. Which means that somewhere there is a farmer driving around in a brand new Discovery 5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, is there much, that, well, again, LR4, if you're in North America, Middle East markets, a lot of this is basically a restyle, a big retune of the vehicle. I'm not going to go into it too much just because we've done the buyer's guides, but I like the Discovery 3. If, you, if yeah. we're looking at these two generations, there's, you know, I really like the Discovery 3. I just think it it is dated in its look, of course. It doesn't look as new as yeah, yeah, the yeah. Discovery 4 that has the daylight lights and stuff like that, but I, I, don't, think, I don't think it matters on Land Rovers. If anything, as they get newer, they kind of like Land Rovers almost have to be old to be appreciated. Yes, it's sort of like yeah, once, yeah, yeah. once they get past their fifth birthday, they're like, oh well, maybe I'll think about it. Once they pass their tenth birthday, oh, they're actually quite good, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So I think we'll skip ahead on this one, uh, to the Discovery Five, of which I have the engines. Yeah. Now before we do that. The reason we're doing this podcast is because Land Rover recently said, they were asked, what do you intend to do with the, the uh, Discovery? Because it's, it's going to come to the end of its life fairly soon, this Discovery 5. Uh-huh. And what Land Rover are currently doing is they're pulling the whole range up market. This is why a Range Rover today starts at just shy of £100,000, whereas they used to be like yes. forty five fifty starting... The nice ones were like 65, 70. Then the really nice ones would touch six figures. Mm-hmm. Now they're like, no, we're just going to start at six figures. The issue Land Rover seemed to have had with the Discovery is it, that used to pick up the sort of family market that yeah. didn't want to spend the big Range Rover money. However, then they re- released the Defender and all those buyers just went, wow, Defender. Yeah. And are buying that. And so the Discovery's kind of sat there it, it it shares the chassis with the um n- the newer Range Rovers because it's the same sort. I think it's actually yeah. bigger. Yeah, I, know it's it's, I know it's taller. It's a bit taller. I don't know if it's longer. Um, but... yeah, probably not longer, but just because they keep the overhang short. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, the fact that it's taller than a Range Rover. Yeah. is is. I know, and it it also it the the problem they have with it once they put once they had a really good platform for the Range Rover. Yeah. What are they going to do with the Defender? They, they're sorry, with the Discovery. They couldn't go, oh, well, let's just put it on a another ladder chassis because yeah. they would never have got through all the crash safety emission stuff. And even if it had, the cost of developing that for a, a sort of um, vanishing market wouldn't have been worth it. No, so it now, distinguish, distinguishing between the Range Rover family, if you like, you know, the Evoke, the Velar, the Sport, and then the full big yeah. Trying to find where the you know what buyers. It's impossible in. now, isn't it? It's... Yeah, and then you know you walk. It's buyers walking in. They're saying, "Oh, I'm quite interested in a family vehicle." 
the Defender's a great-looking vehicle, the new one. It's got all the off-road ability that you're ever going to want. Yeah. And it's got that sort of slab-sidedness that people like the look of, like a Tonka yeah. toy. And they do Farmer spec. So the Yeah, they do. Like, and in the proper colour as well. Yeah. Sort of green and yeah, white. Yeah, sort of olive yeah. yeah. Uh, so for, for a farmer walking in, they're not looking at the Discover anymore. Average family buyer isn't looking at the Discover anymore. Luxury car buyer, even though the Discovery starts at £55,000 now, is probably not looking at the Discovery. They're no. probably edging themselves over to the Range Rovers if they can. Yeah, or just going down to Discovery Sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing as well. Uh, the, the one thing Discovery used to have was it was seven seats. But of course, again, Defender now has seven seats. I think yeah. the new Range Rover... Oh, is it the new Range Rover, Range Rover? Um, I think you can even have seven seats on the Range Rover Sport. I'm actually sure that you can have these two tiny seats okay. in the back. But yeah, it's lost that element that it used to have in the yeah. last generation because the L322 Range Rover was five seats. The Sport was five seats. The, the uh, Defender was a bit probably too agricultural for a lot of people who were just yeah. looking to have it as like a fashionable on-road car. Yeah. But so you the, could get you could get lots of people in there. Got yeah, oh yeah, you could get about fifteen people in them. Yeah. Um, so the discovery. You wait for the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> so the discovery sort of answered that question, and now it's. Mm. Do you so, know what I think? And it's going to be. So with the, with the three and the four. Yeah. You didn't get as many companies getting their hands on it and pimping it, if you like. You didn't see too many urban disco fours. Oh, no. Yeah. Disco fives, every man and his dog has yeah. got hold of it and they've tuned it and they've put their own badge on the front, whether it's urban, yeah. rever, rever, I think, or oh, some, yeah, revert no. or something like yeah, that. No. Revere. But, revere. But I mean, there's loads. And the same with the Defender. Yeah. And but that, uh, Range Rovers and all that sort of so stuff. So they, become... they sort of moved away from making a car that these companies didn't want to touch because they weren't interested. It wasn't their sort of market no, to, go, to go at. No, the only people that used to really want to do anything with a Land Rover was Overfinch. Yeah. And they had historic ties to the brand. Yeah. The only but they'd people... only really take a Range Rover. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And they would just sort of soup it up a little bit. Yeah. The, the only other companies that wanted to do anything with Land Rovers were your sort of place where you turn up and the mechanic is wearing Wellington boots. Yes. And they would say, oh, yeah, well, we can put bigger wheels on it and we'll lift the suspension. There was no sort of, oh, we'll put a, a lip on the front. Yeah, exactly. And we'll make yeah, this a bit yeah. sleek and put some bigger wheels on it. it was yeah. no, if you'd walked into one of those places and say, I'm looking to put big wheels on my uh, Discovery, they'd have said, big wheels. What, you mean like big tyres? Yeah. No, yeah. no. no you, you, put... you want the proper, the proper sort of off-roading tyres, I yeah. guess is what you're saying. Yeah. And it was like, no, no, I want to put a pair of chrome spinners on it. Ah, oh, so you come to the wrong place. Yes. <laughs> sorry, sir. I don't know what a spinner is. And then, <laughs> and then after having looked at it, on, it's the sort of place where they're wearing the farmer's jacket. Yeah. There's 15 defenders up on a ramp somewhere. And they've got all... an Amstrad computer in the corner <laughs> that they use. Yes. <laughs> sorry, we're just powering the machine up. We'll come well, you back. Can, you can it. hear you can hear the dial-up connection going <laughs> yeah. in the corner. But now, yeah, the, the. I mean, now you've got an urban dealership around the corner the from your house. I know. Yeah, that's a. I which I, is just full of defenders. Uh, it's just full of defenders and yeah. like one Range Rover. Yeah. Um, but I think that the problem is that with the five, they've made a car that's desirable to these people. Yeah, it's gone more. Um, it's gone away from this looks like an off-roader, which is the old the yes. old discovery looked yeah. like the sort of thing that someone who says, oh, you know, a mate of mine who really just loved the look of the old discovery when he bought one. I was like, but you don't go off-roading. He yeah. said, well, I am now. He said, I only owned BMWs before. Of course I didn't go off-roading. <laughs> I was like, oh. And immediately he bought one, his lifestyle changed. Yeah. like it, That was it. On weekends... Is this is what I think it is, that we go shooting and stuff now? Uh, no. Oh, okay. No, different friend. Uh, <laughs> uh, someone I used to work with years right, and years okay. ago, that's all. But he <laughs> he bought... I mean, I'm, I'm talking about six, seven years ago. I met him in the pub. and seen him for a few years. Right. He's like, you need to see what car I've bought. I'm thinking, well, he had a couple of BMWs. I wonder if he's gone maybe an M3 or something. And I walked to the car park and I was like, I remember you did like Land Rovers. And he was like, ah. Oh. And it just, as I say, it had gone from he wasn't doing anything on the weekends to he's just pointing himself at the nearest <laughs> country yeah, lane. And going. Every Saturday. <laughs> and then Sunday is spent, you know, just power washing the mud out from the yeah. bottom of the car so it doesn't rot the chassis or whatever else, you know. Um, I don't, I don't see... 
I don't see people like that transitioning into the five. It just has more of an. Oh no, not mode. at all. No. And so anyway, when Land Rover asks, what are you going to do with it? Because you've got uh, Discovery Sport, which they said will form part of their future. Then you've got Defender, which is more like the family, but also does the off-road stuff, so it answers yeah. everyone's questions. Then you've got Velar for the Range Rover. Then you've got Evoke mm-hmm. for the people that just want fashionable with a Range Rover badge. Then you've got the Sport and the proper Range Rover for, for Range Rover customers. Yeah. Where's the Discovery fit? And it, it doesn't, does it? No, and, they, and they've said that, and it's quite sad, actually, that they they would they would let it go but that's the way at the minute it seems that they're leaning but give us some information on the on the scurry five sam for those people after after we've gone oh no one likes it yeah i'm sure that <laughs> do you know what i say all of this genuinely i like the discovery five as in if you said you can't oh, i think it's a lovely car yeah i'd yeah. have it over a range rover personally but uh, that's just for me yeah i think i'd, I'd have an l322 range rover of course you would because that's just the win yeah, yeah. for me. But no, I, but, oh, I te- but I see your point completely. Yeah. I, I just, I think I saw one just recently when I was at the British Most Show and it was a very new one. It was like a year old. And, you know, they've, they've done a facelift to it. Mm-hmm. So you don't really see the newer ones very often. So they've done a facelift to it, just nicer wheels, um, you know, a bit of a better paint colour scheme on it, stuff like that. And I looked at it, I thought, that's a really good looking, capable vehicle that no one buys. Yeah. yeah. That, that there, do you know what that is? That's a Saab. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, oh, I've just got the engines for Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, we've yeah. rabbited on it probably enough about this yeah, car yeah. anyway. <laughs> um, so it comes with, we can have a the Miles engine. Okay. Which is, I, I'm assuming everyone already knows, I don't even need to say it. Yeah. A three litre supercharged petrol. Perfect. Uh, you can oh, have, and that's the end of the show, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Um, you can have a three litre turbo diesel. Yeah, which I think is, I think is a that's a it's a reasonable good engine uh, yeah. alternative. You could have a two liter turbo diesel if you don't want to go anywhere. Yeah, is that it's not mated to like a hybrid or anything? I don't no, think. no, it's, it's just just hybrid, a two liter but... two liter turbo yeah. diesel okay. for not moving. Yeah. Um, if you I suppose it is lighter. If you don't like engines, wait for this. Thing. You could Sorry, have probably. a two liter petrol. <laughs> is that oh, it's mild hybrid? Isn't it? It's not. It's not. No, full. that one's not. No? Okay. no, that one's just a two litre petrol from oh, what wow. I can gather. Okay. Or you can have the three litre mild hybrid petrol. Uh, supercharged? No, no. Oh, okay. No, so they've got the three, you've got the three litre supercharged petrol. Yeah. You can have a three litre mild hybrid petrol. So the three litre petrol. Yeah. That you just said that's turbocharged. Engine, uh, I'm going to get engine, in, in, Okay. So which, just a new generation of Which one are we there. talking about? That last one you talked about. Oh, okay. Three the liter, mild hybrid. It's turbocharged. Okay. And I think the two litre petrol is also turbocharged. Right. Okay. There you go. That's. I bought some information to this podcast and pretty much all of it was wrong. But, However, I can tell you with sure knowledge that yeah. they all come with an eight-speed auto gearbox. Because? I don't know. This is the only gearbox you could have with them. Yeah. Oh, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's yeah. So they all come with that. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. Just Sorry, I thought that. you were going to say it's because the only one they offer. Right. But, yeah, yeah. Okay. But yeah. So no manual. No, at all, gone, nothing. But which, which makes sense because the platform is shared with the Range Rovers, and they don't do manuals. So, you know. Yeah. Um, weight. Do you want to guess what weight it was? Two point three ton. Not bad. Two point two. Oh. Yeah. I'll take that. Or four thousand <laughs> eight hundred thirty-five pounds if you're uh, doing it in old money in uh, North America and having a listen. Um, okay. <laughs> as that. It's one of the only cars I've come across recently was not revealed at the Frankfurt yes. Show. <laughs> yeah, I remember you said before we started yeah. the podcast, you came up with that nugget. That's I thought the, I'd leave that nugget to you. The Paris Motor Show, that one. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but it only came out in 2000. Maybe they just didn't make it as far. Yeah. They set off late. <laughs> set off late, yeah. Do you know what's funny is when I see the uh, first ones of these, I always just think about the um, armoured ones. Okay, yeah, because they for the uh, for the queen for uh, yeah. po- politicians and stuff. There's a generally they have the discovery armored. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I wonder what there's this big. Oh, I said we don't cover in go into politics, but we just touch on the edges when they about their cars. There's yeah. this big thing going on at the minute about they're having to get rid of the Jaguars because the Jaguars have got a bit old. They're about ten years old. The Jaguars they run. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, Jaguar haven't made another XJ, which we did a bias guide. We for did. The XJ. There you go. Second one in on the podcast. Well done. Go. But the support vehicles are generally 
uh, discoveries, either police discoveries, um, or there's the armoured ones. Yeah. I don't get why... They, they're saying, oh, we need to replace the vehicles. The only options we've really got are Range Rovers, uh, because there's not a Jaguar that we can get. They have to be level... Oh, I can't remember. Is it level 4 or level 6? They ha There's a level of armour plating they have to have. Right, okay. Um, to carry around, you know, the Prime Minister and stuff, which is fair enough at the mm -hmm. end of the day. We need our top um, politicians to be in safe vehicles. I don't get why, why they don't buy the Discoveries armoured. Yeah. Because, sure, I mean, it's cheaper than buying a Range Rover. And they're on sale now, so you could buy one. Right, okay. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, I yeah. understand why they can't have the new. They can't get a Jaguar because they, Jaguar have stopped making the XJ yeah. for them to buy. It's difficult to buy a car that isn't in production. Yeah, and I understand why they sort of then say, "Well, the Range Rover would be a good match." It's like, yeah, because it's a high-end luxury vehicle built in Britain. Yeah, because that's the thing is they're talking about having a either a BMW or an Audi, and it's like, yeah, can you imagine like France, Germany, um, America? Can you imagine their top politicians going? Oh yeah, we'll just go on. The, we've got a big uh, automotive base yeah. in our country. <laughs> but we decided to drive around a foreign car. Yes, yeah, it just wouldn't happen, would it? It just wouldn't happen. So no. um, I don't really know why they haven't just said, "Well, the discovery is there. Land Rover would be very happy to take the order for ten or fifteen of these." I'm sure they would. Um, get them armoured up, and the Prime Minister could drive around them for the next ten years. Yeah, bit of an odd I don't know why they haven't made. And the fact that they're a bit taller. Yeah, would probably make them a bit more comfortable to go around in. Definitely. And if you are worried about being shot or something like that, having a higher roof line, yeah, does just give you that little bit extra protection and stuff like that. So, don't know um, on that one. But the one little thing about the Discovery Five is that some people don't like the number plate placement. I was going to bring that up. The thing is, they've tried that. What they've tried to do is they've tried to stick with the traditional Discovery number plate placement. But instead of having a square number plate like they've always had on every other Discovery, mm -hmm. they've gone for the standard rectangular number plate, but just pushed it to the side. Yeah. And that was never going to work. No. Either you had to have a an artistic design where you kept the square number plate, mm -hmm. or you had to go central. And I think that's been shown by the amount of people that now will do the, they'll do the alteration for you, they'll do the modification so you can now have the number plate in the middle. Yeah, they do a, there's um one drove past me a year it ago. looks so much nicer when you've it had does, it done yeah, yeah. I d the designer said something about you know you have to get the number plate in the right place and it doesn't look so bad but I, I think I can see why they did it like you said yeah they're trying to hark back to a bit of history on but the they brand. need to keep the square then yeah like that's the and because I think it's um, there's something about the design just meant that even they, they just couldn't make it work with the square yeah well, I think it's because the lights and the boot lid I think they're just the all positioning of yeah. everything it was so that, that's what they've ended up with and to me it might have just been better to say we really wanted to do it we couldn't we put yeah. it in the middle because it makes sense in the middle and the fact that there's companies that are coming out and making money by selling people yeah uh, and a lot of people are doing it yeah so. and you know this isn't like they just have to move the number plate they have to do a, quite a bit of you know, actual metal working on your new car yeah well you've got to redesign the tailgate I mean, it's, it's not what many people would go to the effort of saying oh no. yeah just cut my new boot lid will you and make <laughs> yeah. this uh, remold it the refresh for the discovery was 2021 okay so that's when the newest ones come out and if you are listening to this and you've been umming and ahhing on discovery you're not sure about it as far as we know at the minute it is looking like this may be the last one yeah now because the whole world has gone electric car esque mm -hmm. uh, it looks like 2025 they'll just drop this car and not bring it back because there's something about the Range Rovers can be made into hybrids they could hybrid the Discovery I just don't think they'll bother no um, no if you get that they've become too similar that's yeah. the problem they sort of just they've yeah. been on a trajectory where the Range Rover has been going upwards yeah and the Land Rover uh, sorry the Discovery sort of went upwards and then it's slightly sort of curved on its trajectory. It's gone towards the Range Rover. Yeah. Now they've just collided. And that's the problem is that the top end discovery is like 70 grand. Yeah. So and it's not even looks. It's like you say, it's price point, it's interior, it's yeah. engine specs. Yeah. yeah. Um, great used by. But then you need someone to buy them new. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's it for the Land Rover Discovery. Is there anything else you want to add on your special birthday podcast, Sam? Uh, congratulations to me 
reaching yeah. 33 years on this glorious spinning globe of a planet. There we go. Um, finally, finally catching up with the old man sitting opposite me, who is two and a bit months my senior. You mean the, the uh, much younger Sorry, chap? M- month and a half. Yeah. What if your birthday's in September? Yeah. Of 1989, when you were born? Mm, not necessarily. <laughs> so that would make you older. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's pretty much all I had to say. That's it. Is Just it? nice to be as old as you. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. And, and uh, well, the next podcast will be the final podcast for me as a single free gentleman. Yes, it will, because it will come out with the, the Tuesday before. Yeah, yeah. And we get, I get, well, I say we, <laughs> I get married on the Saturday. Yeah. Not to you. No. Uh, I already got married, so we cut yeah. that off to, to <laughs> stop any confusion. <laughs> uh, yeah, next one will be the last one of Sam's Freedom. I, I don't know. We'll make it a special one. Cars of Freedom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Something along those lines. What cars have people got? Oh, we could do wedding cars. What are the popular wedding oh, that's cars? That's a good idea. Because, I mean, oh, we won't give away too much in this yeah. one, but yeah, things like Rolls Royces are obvious wedding cars. But yeah. What different, are wedding cars? Different wedding cars. Yeah. And what, yeah, okay. You need to make a note of that, Sam. Yeah. So that you don't do. walk into the studio next <laughs> week and I Have say, got... what should we do? <laughs> and you go, oh, I, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take good care and we shall see you in the next one. Many happy returns to me. Bye. Bye.